and good morning, evening, afternoon, wherever you are in the world. This is Harrison Smith with a video podcast of cinema. Uh, I'm doing this as a backup because I did record an original video podcast that kind of skewed too far into the political realm, and I, I kind of felt that it just wasn't the right way to go. So uh, instead, uh, keeping just with the tradition of, of trying a video podcast, I thought I would do something interesting today because I got a lot of comments, uh, a lot of positive feedback on my commentary from Death House on the Blu-ray and uh, regular DVD. I'm kind of doing a video podcast today to kind of go through some of the highlights of that and point out some things as, and talk about the making of this movie. Death House, in my opinion, could have been cinema. And it would have been a lot easier just to make Death House in the vein of cinema than it was to actually try to do something better than that and different. I call this kind of like the road to Death House. And I hope you'll enjoy it. I hope you'll follow along. I have some great clips from the film. And if you haven't seen it, I hope you'll check it out. Death House is presently running on Netflix. You can find it on Vudu, Amazon, and a number of places. And what's really cool about this is I get to do a visual plug for Dark Matter TV. That's right. You can download Dark Matter TV. It has great films on there. And I'm going to do even a personal plug there because they have two of my films, uh, The Fields and Six Degrees of Hell. And uh, they are a fantastic streaming format with a lot of great stuff. Uh, monster movies, classics, new stuff, com uh, contemporary Watch Dark Matter TV because for me, it's like watching late night cable all over again. And that's what I say all the time with Dark Matter TV, and that is late night's fun again. Death House has been out a while, and uh, it is currently streaming on Netflix, and I hope it continues to stream on Netflix for a little bit there. However, the road to Death House is an interesting one because we went the road less traveled on Death House. And we could have easily just gone the cinema, C-Y-N-E-M-A route uh, with Death House and just did a, a quick cash in, uh, get a bunch of um, cameos together, horror cameos together, and just throw these people in. So a little background first on Death House. You've probably heard a number of interviews uh, where I talk about it. The number one thing always is, is what was it like to make Death House and work with all these, these horror stars? Well, I, I want to do a little disclaimer here. And while I get it for marketing purposes, I was never 100% thrilled and behind the, uh, the whole thing of the expendables of horror, that Death House is the expendables of horror. The expendables are the expendables. Uh, this is not the expendables of horror. Uh, and, and it gives off a little bit of a misnomer there because even people who watch the action series, the expendables, some of them actually thought that these action stars were going to reprise the roles that made them famous as action stars. So that thought kind of carries over uh, into horror, where a lot of people thought, well, Tony Todd is going to be Candyman, and Kane Hodder will be Jason Voorhees, and if they get Robert Englund, he'll be Freddy Krueger, and, and it goes on. And the answer is no, that's, that's not what we're going to do. That's not how it can happen. Uh, first of all, just to get the rights to these characters would, would probably bankrupt any investor. And even major studios haven't been able to pull that off. Look how long it took them to do Freddy versus Jason. And you can hear all what I think about Freddy versus Jason and all of that uh, on my previous podcast. I believe it is under uh, Friday the 13th Gets Lucky. 
And there's another one where I talk about uh, Freddy versus Jason as well, too. No, these people were not going to reprise their old roles. Gunnar Hansen was not going to be Leatherface. And uh, so I need to go back a little bit before I get into the actual film to show you how much love and attention and care Death House uh, was made with than just simply slapping together a quick, what I always call uh, an R-rated Scooby-Doo movie. Gunnar Hansen had this idea a long time ago. And, and according to Gunnar, uh, he and his agent uh, worked out an idea where they could get all the horror stars kind of together. So I need to go back to the beginning of this with, with Gunner. As, as I said, this was Gunner's idea, and most of all, Gunner wanted to make this movie as kind of a valentine to his fans, especially on the convention circuit. He wanted a movie, a horror movie, for the fans, and his agent concurred on that. So I came into the picture when um, a producer, Rick Finkelstein, uh, from Entertainment Factory, approached me after a screening in Los Angeles for my zombie film called uh, Zombie Killers, Elephant's Graveyard, with Billy Zane, Dee Wallace, and Misha Barton, and Felissa Rose. And uh, one thing led to another where I ended up talking to uh, Gunner's agent, uh, who then asked me to come to lunch with him the next day to kind of pitch this whole thing. So I did. And the idea was, when this Expendables thing was pitched to me, I, I pretty much said, I'm really not interested in, in making anything like that because I think it's a gimmick and, and I don't want to do a gimmick movie. And, and look, I got to eat. I got to keep the lights on and all of that stuff. So I heard him out and he said, well, listen, he's got Gunner as a script and he's not happy with that script. And he had that script, his original script, rewritten by some other people. And he was even less happy with that rewrite. Uh, I left that meeting with Gunner's original script and also the, um, the rewrite script. And I read Gunner's at my hotel room. And on the flight home, I read the rewrite. And the agent was 100% correct. The rewrite was, was basically torture porn. And both had the premise of a group of college kids are making a documentary and they go into the bowels of this uh, abandoned asylum where they meet the crazies, they find out the crazies are not in the upper part of the asylum, they're in the bowels of it, in the basement, in these subterranean catacombs. And uh, so basically they, they kind of meet their fate one by one, it's a little 10 little Indians kind of thing. And one by one they get knocked off by these crazies who are still very much there and running this whole subterranean world. And when I read Gunners, I saw that it was very artistic and uh, very much like The Shining, he, he tried to go very high concept and it was very slow moving and the dialogue was a bit clunky. And I'll get to all that before you think I'm ragging on Gunner because he shared all of these things and he knew this, which is why he asked for a rewrite. However, the rewrite was just nothing but blood, gore, violence and sex pretty much for 90 minutes. And there's some of you going, well, what's wrong with that? Uh, it, it was just really not a good script. And in fact, Gunner hated it so much that um, it gave rise to an internet rumor that Gunner abandoned Death House, that he abandoned his own project. No, that's, that's not true. He just rejected the rewrite script that came in. The big thing was, what do you do with this? Do you make it just a kind of cynical, cheap gimmick movie where it's like, oh, look, there's Tony Todd. Oh, look, there's Sid Hay. I finally had to meet with Gunner, and Gunner was just this gentleman, big, quiet, gentle giant, one of the kindest people I ever met. 
And Gunner went through and admitted. He said, look, my, my script has issues. I'm really not a writer, and I definitely don't know how to do dialogue. And I feel that while I want this whole concept of good versus evil, uh, the problem that I have is, is that my dialogue is not reflecting it, and I have just really some, some major structure problems with the script. So we worked a number of things out, and, and as I've said in interviews, I had no idea at this time that, that Gunner was dying. He had pancreatic cancer, and it was moving quickly. I finally came up with an idea to rewrite this thing, staying away from the torture porn script that Gunner hated so much, give the audience something different. Because I said to Gunner at a meeting, I said, you know, Gunner, this, this whole documentary crew thing or psychological college class going down and discovering this and recording it, we've seen this kind of movie before. And he said, I know. He, he said, I, I totally understand. I came up with the idea of almost like a Jurassic Park without the dinosaurs. What if two young agents uh, in the government are taking a tour of this super secret black ops kind of black budget uh, off the grid super maximum prison where the world's worst are held. Kind of like, you know, pseudoscience, paranormal kind of prisoners as well too. And while taking the tour, the ride breaks down and the monsters get out. And we keep all of Gunner's uh, quest for the, the balance between good and evil and, and all the things that he wanted. So I ended up rewriting this script and uh, two young agents, Cody Longo and Courtney Palm, uh, go to this super maximum security prison run by several doctors and of course, you know, armed to the teeth, guarding all the monsters. Uh, the tour breaks down, the monsters get out and our two hapless agents have to fight their way to the most malevolent evil force in the prison to get out. You guys didn't plan on anything like this happening? <laughs> Agent Novak. In 1997, the military built a stealth bomber for two billion that couldn't fly in the rain. This facility was a record 3.2 billion and cost five million a year to maintain. So yes, we have a few flaws. We all know what lies at the bottom of this place. We all know they are down there. The way out is not that way. It's down to them with me. And that was the concept of Gunner's The Five Evils. They originally were called The Four Horsemen, a very biblical reference. And I decided to add a woman to it. There were no women among the, the horsemen. And I changed it around to The Five Evils and a five for each point on the pentagram. There was this whole large group that was expecting it to be truly a Expendables of Horror, what I call a, a monster mashup in, in the vein of Freddy versus Jason. Is it, is it going to be Doug Bradley's pinhead squaring off against Kane Hodder's uh, Jason Voorhees, that kind of thing? I knew that no matter how many times I said it in interviews, no matter how many times you get it out, these people, these actors will not be reprising their horror roles. And there was a whole cross-section out there of people that still thought, hope against hope, that this was still going to be the case. And I know that for a fact because there were a number of people before we did a sneak screening at a convention. We did this kind of a, a test screening at this one horror convention. And there were people tweeting and, and going online saying, I'm about to see Death House, a sneak preview of Death House. 
Uh, they say it's not going to be a monster mashup kind of thing, a Freddy versus Jason thing, but I think they're just saying that to fool us if it's really going to be. And I saw that post and I actually tweeted back and I said, no, if you're expecting that, stay away because you're going to hate this movie. Well, it turns out that very person that tweeted that ended up tweeting how much they hated Death House. I also wanted this to really show my love of horror and embrace so much of what's in horror. Harrison, why, why are you so dead against, you know, a, a horror monster movie mashup? And, and my answer is really simple. And I, I think, you know, when you see the original monster mashup that really was Abbott and Costello meets Frankenstein, um, that was when those characters were in their decline and they were played for laughs. So Tony Todd said at one point in um, a, a convention panel that we were both on, uh, Tony said he turned down incredible money. Uh, for a Candyman versus Leprechaun mashup. And when people asked in the audience, why did you do that? He said it very easily. He said, because it's stupid. And he is a thousand times correct. There is no way I wanted to make anything like that. And I feel that maybe that stuff has its purpose. But let's face it, Freddy versus Jason isn't really horror. It's more of a, a WWE match with monsters. What I did want is also a valentine to horror because horror has deep roots and movies today are tapping into those roots and a generation that has no idea of what came before that never saw the original black and white Frankenstein or Bride of Frankenstein or any of those, Creature from the Black Lagoon, the Universal Monster Days, uh, going all the way through to the present day, there's so much that impacts today's horror. Jason Blum and Blumhouse owe so much to horror's history. And it's amazing how many people watch these horror films and never really realize all that goes into them. So Death House was gonna be different. And I wanted all these references, Easter eggs, if you will, of horror in this movie. So if you watch the movie on DVD, which I highly recommend, and then watch my commentary, or listen to my commentary, uh, you're gonna see that somebody wrote on Twitter, you really know your horror. And I, and I feel I do. That's the thing. Like, it's just, I wanted to do something different at the same time. And in horror, that is a dangerous thing. I'll give you an example. Here is my favorite clip of Eli Roth saying exactly what I think about horror with horror fans and expectations. I mean, here's the thing about horror fans. They love to complain. They never support original movies. They bitch about sequels and they'll rush out and see them opening weekend. So of course more sequels get made. And then an original movie gets made and they go on the internet and they tear the director down because they're jealous or whatever. They're like, this person sucks. This movie's going to be terrible. It's like the horror fans are great, but a lot of the times they don't want to give new people a chance. They say they want new horror and then they go, well, it wasn't as good as Evil Dead. It's like, well, yeah, it's Evil Dead. Nothing's ever going to be as good as Evil Dead. That's why it's Evil Dead. I also wanted literature in there as well. And, you know, Dante's Inferno becomes very prevalent in this with the nine levels of Death House, where the five evils are on the ninth level. And you're, you're really literally going through hell, and you've got to go through hell to get out. Don't you have something special lined up to kill everybody inside this fucking hell hole in case there's a doomsday scenario? So I'll give you an example. When you watch the opening of Death House, we, we have it in this giant desert, this very washed out scrubland kind of setting. And I wanted that to evoke Psycho 3. 
if you look at Psycho 3, and the reason why you're like, why Psycho 3? Why not Psycho? Well, Psycho is also kind of pretty much in the desert. It's it's off the highway kind of thing. But Psycho 3 opens with Diana Scarwood walking through the desert. And I wanted to evoke that because I remember when I saw Psycho 2, I absolutely loved Psycho 2. And I, I, I think Psycho 2 is one of the greatest sequels ever made to a horror film. I saw Psycho 3 in theaters. I remember being a little put off by it. I, I kind of thought that, wow, this is an entirely different tone than Psycho 2. And I wanted Death House to kind of evoke that. And so you have Tony Todd carrying our actress, Nicole Sinaglia, through the desert. And it evokes Diana Scarwood moving through the desert of Psycho 3. And now a lot of people have asked questions about Tony Todd's character, the farmer. He, he opens the movie and he closes the movie. And what I can tell you is, is that he is kind of a part of Death House and not. However, he is a main character for the sequel. And I have already written the script for Death House 2. We're just waiting for the green light. However, Tony Todd's Asa, the farmer, is a centerpiece to the sequel, which is called The Farm. If you notice even what he does in the opening to that girl, people say, well, what's going on with the girl and the whole thing? He has the ability to paralyze. And he does psychic surgery on her. You ever see that where those uh, bullshit artists is really the word, I guess I should just say, where they pretend that they stick their hands down in you and remove tumors out. And, and it, it's all been proven very fake. Um, but he does this in real life on this girl and he performs a psychic abortion on her. What he pulls out is fetal tissue in the opening of the film. And he talks about how he used to be a botanist. He was a farmer that grew Venus flytraps. And you have to snip the flower, which is the fetus in this girl. Um, you have to snip that flower so that the original plant uh, keeps its power. There's a lot of subtlety in Death House. And you need to know your horror to understand it, which is why Death House is not cinema. And it could have been. Again, it would have been easier to just make it with cinema behind it and cash out on this thing and throw out a shit film and get it over with. Another reference, I mean, I'm a huge John Carpenter fan. And John Carpenter and George Romero and, and a number of these folks, uh, they, they played a huge influence on me growing up. And I always remember reading, I would devour whatever I could on, on how John Carpenter ran a set and, and taking care of people and working with the same people, all of that stuff. So John Carpenter is a huge influence on me. And that's why in the opening of the film, uh, when Kane Hodder is brought into Death House for the intake and he's talking to Courtney Palm, you will hear Adrian Barbeau's voice. And Adrian Barbeau is saying, follow the yellow line. And along the lines of, if you don't follow it, you'll be terminated. Well, that's, that's in the opening of Escape from New York when Kurt Russell is brought into Liberty Island. Follow the yellow line. Do not deviate. Follow the yellow line. You had me wondering right up until you fired the shot, Agent. Follow the yellow line. Do not deviate. Follow the yellow line. Do not deviate. Leg healed nicely, don't you think? Follow the yellow line. Do not deviate. There's no woman here to warm your bed, Zeke. Follow the yellow line. Do not deviate. I will fuck you in hell. We got a lot of feedback on Debbie Rashawn's leather lace. And uh, I did small videos of some of this stuff that I will post in my show notes. But the mask for Debbie Rashawn's leather lace uh, with the, the chainsaw is not so much of a, a major tip of the hat to, of course, Gunner's uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre's leather face, 
But in addition, that mask was designed to look like Roman Polanski as a connection to Rosemary's Baby and, and its place in horror. Um, you will see Gunner make a cameo appearance. It's the last time he ever appears on film. And he is a hologram that is projected on Debbie Rashan's cryo tube uh, in Death House. And that is the last that we ever see of Gunner in the film, but it is his also final on-screen appearance. And he gets to work along with Debbie because they worked a lot together in the past. So there was a lot of horror connection in putting Gunner with, with Debbie in that scene and also making Debbie leather lace, which is again a tribute to Texas Chainsaw Massacre. You go through Death House and you watch all of the hidden things beyond the leather lace stuff. For example, when they go into the infirmary, uh, you know, they talk about the Jim Jones cult in the infirmary, and, and that's all history. That was proven in the Nazi era, and the Jim Jones cult in Guyana. Uh, which was uh, preempted by Congressman Ryan's inspection. Well, we're not fans of congressional oversight here. I see. The point of Death House was to, to layer this thing and make it rich. Yeah, there's a lot of setup in the beginning. No, it's not just slasher and gore and all, all of that. What we wanted was to layer this up with so many references to horror films. I am going to say this, and I keep telling people, watch the movie through the end credits because we have a mid-end credit sequence that is spectacular. It's the best Easter egg in the whole film. So if you shut the movie off before the end credits, you're going to miss it. And what I can tell you is it's the actual guy who designed it who was in the movie, and what that prop is, it's the original one. Sid Haig makes an appearance in this film. Uh, he is the icicle killer, which is which is a nod toward the Zodiac killer. And uh, that scene alone, I, every time I see that scene, I think of Sid because of all the times that I got to sit with him while we were shooting during lunch. And I remember I would sit with Sid and just say, tell me, tell me everything you've experienced and seen in basically 50 years of this industry. And I learned so much from this man. I, and, and even after the film was done, when we were screening it and he would come to, to the screenings, I learned so much from Sid. And here is why this movie is not cinema. And uh, why I'm happy that I got to, to know Sid Haig as well as I did. And that is when we went to the first screening, the sneak preview, Sid sat with me in a bar and he said, he goes, do you have your, your audience cards? You know, the rating cards? And I said, yeah, he goes, let me see them. So I pulled out the stack, I took the sample one, and I gave it to him, and he looked at it, and he went, uh-huh. He goes, okay. Well, let me tell you something, Harrison. He said, what you want are obviously your seven, eights, and nines, and tens. You want the high end where people love it. And he said, you also want your zeros, ones, and twos. But what he did say also then, what he ended it with was, you don't want a stack of fives. And the reason why is he said, if, you, if people come out of your movie and all they did was rated a five out of 10, then your movie made no impression on them whatsoever. He said, but if they hate it or they love it, it doesn't matter because you made them feel something and that's what you want. And I never forgot that. So yeah, I've, I've had uh, some people online say, hey, I saw your death house. I didn't really care for it. I've had a, a number of really well-written negative reviews on the film. I've also seen plenty of people who have contacted me and, and love the film. They bought it. They, they just rave about it. They watched it a number of times. I've, I've gotten great reviews on the film. So Sid was right. What I don't see is it's just meh, and that's great. Going through this film, there's so many horror references. 
but also what I wanted were some creatures. And we got some great practical effects. Pretty much all the major violent effects that you see in this movie are practical. And it would have been cheaper and easier just to shop things out to make all digital effects and, and just do it that way. And we did not do that because again, I didn't want to make cinema. One of my favorite scenes in the film is what I call the elevator drop. And the elevator drop is 100% bullshit. They're opening the side doors. Only way up is down. This is your plan? A free fall drop to the bottom? Drop and shoot. Is that the best you've got? Yeah. Get your hand wrapped up. What I love is when people go, oh, I saw that elevator drop scene and boy, that, that could never happen. So you sat through this movie where we have monsters and Kane Hodder is regenerating and things come back from the dead and all this stuff. And now you're going to pick science with me over the elevator drop scene because there's no way they could slide down that elevator shooting their guns and doing all that stuff. No, there isn't. That's why it's a movie and it's supposed to be a fun horror film. I always said with Death House... I want Death House to be the roller coaster ride through the fun house. I wanted Death House to be that movie that you used to sit around in the 80s watching late night HBO in like 1988, 89. And you see this thing at two o'clock in the morning and it's halfway through and you go, shit, I got to finish watching this. But the elevator drop scene, pure, 100% bullshit. But we've got a lot of monsters in it. And I love those creatures in that room. And yes, for those of you who notice, they are inspired by the creepypastas, okay? Those, the Siberian sleep deprivation experiment. I, I saw those creatures. I wanted them to resemble that and, and you know, evoke that kind of story. That's, that's a lot of fun. And that's the whole point of Death House. I think Death House is a lot of fun. And as a good horror movie should be, because I don't think they're a lot of fun anymore. There are some fun horror films, but they're very few and far between. I wanted Death House to be an 80s roller coaster ride through the fun house. What I would love after this podcast, take a look at some of the things that I've put up. Let me know what you think. Tweet me. Say, hey, I watched Death House on Netflix. I loved it. I hated it. Whatever. And look, it, there's a lot more to say than just it sucked or it's awesome. That's great when people say it's awesome, but I want to know why. What, what was it that, that we did that got something out of you? That, that's the whole point of film. It should evoke something out of you, which is basically what Sid Haig told me. Watch Death House. It's on Netflix. Uh, you can find it, I believe, also on Vudu. It's on Amazon. It's, it's at a number of places. I hope it becomes the, the cult classic that it seems to be coming. I, I hope that is the case. And most of all, I hope there is a sequel. So many horror references in this. Almost you could do a drinking game out of Death House and you have to drink every time there's a horror reference to something. And uh, I think you're going to get pretty shit-faced by the time the movie is over. So this is Harrison Smith wishing wherever you are in the world at these crazy times right now that you are well, you and yours are safe, and thank you for listening, watching, and we'll talk to you next week. Well, friends, welcome to the Thank <laughs> you.
Check out my cinema blog on horrorfuel.net and download Dark Matter TV for your Apple or Android devices.